0: When one puts music in the foreground of their life, its importance mushrooms. Music becomes a role model, a comforter, a divining rod, a shield, and in some cases, a whole uniform and adopted identity. But probably the most common usage is for inspiration. Music can inspire rebellion, outrage, it can summon confidence, it can stoke conviction, and be the catalyst for making even more music, a stimulus to action. By putting music in the forefront, it became, and continues to be, the vehicle for my life. Of course, the first step is a song. It's that one song that will always grab someone, and only if curiosity is strong enough will they follow the breadcrumbs leading to the whole album, and maybe, in due time, the discography of a certain band or musician. If this happens, it can be transforming. Following a band or musician's career is the next step to letting music take over your life. Discographies become entities all on their own, ebbing and flowing in a way much like a living being. Following a band's career can spark communal pride in a person. Feeling ownership over a band is also a common side effect. Whatever the degree of impact, getting into a band during formative years often never leaves one's frontal lobe. Even if there's a band I was into for a month when I was 16, if their name gets dropped, my ears perk up. I was a big thrash metal kid, and Sacred Reich's Ignorance was one of my favorite albums of the genre. I had it on vinyl, one of the first vinyl albums I bought at a record store, might I add. And I taped it onto cassette to listen to while I went to school. I got into Surf Nicaragua and saw the band live on the American Way Tour, too. Meeting the guys at the Wacken Open Air Festival in 2012, pretty much by chance, reminded me just how much I love the band, and although they weren't actively making new music, was glad to see they were still playing shows. There I became friends with singer and bassist Phil Rind as we talked into the night after the festival, and it's a friendship that lasts to this day. But really, it's only now that things have started to get very interesting in the Sacred Reich camp. In accordance to their namesake of their hometown, Sacred Reich, have risen like a phoenix in 2019, from near dormancy to releasing a new album entitled Awakening. It's been inspiring just watching from the sidelines as the band made the climb, and Awakening is an album that rivals, or dare I say even usurps, their past records, a feat every band in the world wishes they were lucky enough to eventually do. I gotta be honest, from what I've witnessed, most bands fail, and fail embarrassingly. If I derived inspiration from the band via songs like Death Squad and American Way, the inspiration I derive from the band now goes deeper than mere songs. Being privy to their slow ascent back onto the metal mountain has been inspiring to watch from behind the curtain, off to the sidelines. When you look at the numbers, I think you can understand why. It's been 23 years since Sacred Reich released an album. Heel was their last album released in 1996, the same year we started our band. In 2019, it's safe to say we're grizzled veterans with a string of albums under our belts, much like Sacred Reich were around the time Heal was released. And to watch the band put out their comeback record with such ferocity and vigor is a recharge to my battery. It's probably the closest thing I will get to wanting to pump the air with a fist, or wanting to hug the nearest person I see, or wanting to dump a cooler filled with Gatorade on Phil Rind's head. I'm not exaggerating this out of loyalty or bias. The numbers are in and speak for itself. The people have spoken. And Sacred Reich's Awakening album has charted in the top 100 worldwide, most notably number seven in Finland, number 15 in Germany, eight separate billboard charts, including number one in the top new artists albums category. I guess you go away for 23 years and you're a brand new artist all over again. Well, with Dave McClain back behind the kit, and new recruit Joey Radiswell on rhythm guitar, and of course, Wiley Arnett lead guitar, I think they qualify as a brand new band, Sacred Reich Mach 2. And the album is good, I mean real good. There are uh, anthems on this album that will stay in their set permanently, at least if I had my way. And even though he's been on the podcast before, episode number 155, Phil returns to talk about awakening, and we really get down to it here, albeit a little less formal than most Q&A-type interviews. I always favor a loose discussion over any sort of regimented interview, but in this case, there were matters at hand, namely getting a word out on awakening. And what a return to form. Congrats to Phil, Wiley, Dave, and Joey. This is How Inspiration is Served in 2019. Thanks for checking out this podcast, and if you can, please leave a review or a rating on iTunes. You can also listen to it on Spotify and SoundCloud. I also want to make a special note here. As I'm recording this, Ricky Rockman just left a very kind message about this podcast on Twitter. It's flattering coming from Ricky, but doubly so, since his podcast, Ricky Rockman's Cat House Hollywood Podcast, is a must-listen and one of my favorite podcasts out there. If you want to get super deep in the L.A. scene with Ricky, but from his punk side, I also suggest you listen to episode 220 of Damian Abraham's Turned Out a Punk, another favorite podcast of mine, where the two of them dive deep into L.A. punk. Okay, let's go. This is it. I'm so happy that Phil Rind returns to the podcast, and it starts now.
1: The Danko Jones Podcast is the best out round. It's I get it, Danko's co-op, tell them for free. i glad I'd like to sometime. Take me in from fuck, though. Stop buying, hey, Hey, it's the Danko Jones
0: Podcast. You can
1: check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud, right? It's the Danko Jones podcast. Check us out right now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. Nick Flanagan is Danko's co host. Download for free on SoundCloud and iTunes. Sometimes Damien fucked up. Stops by and hangs out too. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Get ready because the dako Jones podcast starts now! how are you?
0: I'm good how are you I'm excellent this uh you must be on a high right now
1: <clears throat> um it's it's, it's nice. I'm trying to take, you know, you know, when you see a bad review, you're like, ah, oh, what does that guy know? Right? Like, fuck that guy. So I'm trying to do the same thing with the good stuff. Cause I know the truth somewhere in the middle. So obviously it's nice when the people like it and you prefer them to like it than to not like it. But I also got to remember that, you know, whatever, That's cool and I'm happy, but I don't want to get, like, ahead of myself in any way. There's been bad reviews? No, no. No. Yeah. It's been all 100% good. Yeah, but all I'm saying is, like, when you see a bad review, you're like, oh, fuck that. It doesn't mean anything. It's just one review. So I think you need to take the same kind of attitude towards the good stuff, too. Like, you know, just put it all in perspective.
0: No, it's it's a it's a great album. All the reviews are right.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, we feel the same way, dude. Like, you know, we we feel the same. And it was so funny. Like I put out a thing today. What's your favorite song? Just to kind of see, you know, I'm building the set and and I kind of know what everyone's going to say. But I was surprised how many people said something to believe. I was really actually surprised by that. You seem, I think,
0: do you guys think that the those last few songs on the album, did you like bury them deliberately because they're more melodic?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know if we buried them when we were making The Order. It just seemed to, you know, it just seemed to work out that way. And I think it's a pretty classic side A, side B record if we're going back to like the vinyl thing. Yeah, yeah. You know how the side B, like, you know, you know how it is. Yeah. And, and when we were all making our different orders and working on everything, um, when Something to Believe wound up last, like, I wanted to do the Metallica thing, you know, like the Damage Ink and, um, and... and and uh, You know, I just want... You start with a really heavy, fast song, you end with a really heavy, fast song. That was my initial thing. And yeah. then, you know, when we're all talking about it and Arthur, and, and it wound up with Something to Believe, and I was, like, just kind of happy that... um like the last verse says you know the last words in the verse are loves the only way to live our life each day i go i'm just really happy we could end with that you know and leave it on a really something very positive so
0: well the w- yeah. the w- good thing is that if people are naming something to believe it means they're going through the whole album
1: yeah well it doesn't take much it's only a half hour so i mean if you if if you went far enough to even buy the record you're probably gonna listen to the whole 30 minutes Right, and, right. and you'd be like, fuck, I, people like my biggest complaint is it's not long enough. I go, then just play it again. <laughs> my complaint is albums are too long now. Yeah, not ours. We don't have that problem. Yeah, eight tracks
0: is perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, some people like it. Some That's the only complaint. It's so short. I go, just play it again, man. Just fucking go for it. Like, That's not a bad thing.
0: I can put two and two together, but... For the sake of the the podcast, h- how did you hook up with Metal Blade again?
1: Um. Well, I mean, we knew we were going to go do a record, like so. We wrote Divide and Conquer, and we we're like, "All right, like here we are. We're, I guess we're going to do this. This is going to be cool." And we didn't really consider anybody else. Like Brian's been a fan since we started, and we always had a great relationship with him, and. We really like them, and they really like us, and that's it. I mean, we didn't really talk to anybody else. There was never really any doubt about where we were going to go. I'm like, who do we trust, you know? I mean, ultimately, that's what it is, and it's important for us. You know, we have the same crew for the last 10, 12 years. You know, for the most part, you know, the guys in the band, except for a couple changes (laughs) recently, but it takes a long time for us to – it takes a lot for us to kind of change course when it comes to people. You know, Paul's been painting our our album covers and t-shirts since I'm mm. 16 years old. And I like it that way. And that
0: our dude character guy makes a reappearance, right?
1: Yeah. OD's on the cover. And we talked about it. We're like, you know, we only have really, one album that Odie's on the front, and it's yeah. surfing, and it's everybody's favorite. I'm like, it's just stupid to not do it. <laughs> We'd be stupid to not do it. I'm like, how do how are we so stupid on every record? Let's just stop being stupid. <laughs> well, it
0: seems like wasn't the original for Ignorance supposed to have him on it, like that insert sleeve, or was it the back of oh. Ignorance?
1: Mm. Oh, he was on the back, definitely, um, on the original drawing. And the front was like that collage, black and white yeah. thing. is he on We that? did the research too. Now, he's just on the back, oh. which is dumb, once again. Like, why <laughs> didn't we just put him on the front? And Paul can't stand looking at the back. He's like, I didn't realize, like. When, when we were really young, he was using different black markers, you know, on the back. He goes, and you could see it. All blacks are not created equal. And you can just see all the different things. He goes, oh, I just can't stand." When he looks at the back, he goes, he's all wrong proportionally. And he goes, oh, I just can't take it. It's just <laughs> so funny. And, you know, the front cover we submitted to Metal Blade, the original black and white one, the collage one. And Brian's like, no, looks like a punk rock record. No way. We're like, what? What do you mean? No. He's like, no, you need another cover. We're like, what? So Paul had an – I remember being at the apartment in L.A. and we were recording the record. I'm like, Paul, we need another album cover we need in a week. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And we were looking at the album cover, and we picked, like, you know, the little part with the hostage guy. And Paul drew that in, like, a week. And after spending all this time and doing all this stuff, uh, you know, uh, such (laughs) as that.
0: Well, now it's, like, ingrained in everybody's heads when they think of ignorance, so you, you can't get away from it anyways.
1: Yeah, whether you like it or not. And Paul's like, oh, man, I really hate that cover. I'm like, well, you know, look, man, I I really hate Independent, and you did that, so I don't know what to say. I remember when he showed up, we were recording that record um, at the studio, and he came with the album cover for Independent, and he's like, there it is. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm like, no, dude, that's not really what I have in mind. He's like, well, that's the cover. (laughs) And I was like. All right. Well, fuck, that's the cover. (laughs) And that's it. You know, dude, you want to hear a funny story? So we were talking about this record, right? Awakening, Awakening. What are we going to do for Awakening? And I really didn't have an idea. And finally, one day it hits me. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so excited. I have this concept. Check it out. And I tell him, and he's like, yeah, cool. And then I, I didn't hear from him for like five days. I'm calling him and leaving him messages, and he's totally ducking me. And I finally sent him a text. I'm like, dude, if you don't like the concept, just tell me. It's me. You don't have to hide. And I call him and he's like, dude, I didn't know how to tell you. I just didn't like it. And I'm like, dude, look, that's fine. If you don't like it, you don't like it. He goes, I really have to like it if I want to draw it. It's just not going to turn out good. I go, I get it. I get it. What do you have in mind? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, here's the problem. Like, we have a deadline and now... We're going to have all, you know, we already missed the deadline. <laughs> now we're on the second deadline. We're probably going to miss that one. So I don't want to put pressure on him because I know it's, it, look, if you put pressure on him, he's going to get stressed out and he's not going to make a good album cover. So I was like, look, just think about it, you know, do the thing, check it out. And then finally he goes, all right, I got it. And I'm like, cool. And and he said you want me to And I go just just do what you want to do Like if you have an idea And you love it I'm sure I'm going to love it too uh, Independent Notwithstanding But I just <laughs> said just, just go for it And I told him I go And you don't have to ever act like that I go it's me dude we've known each other forever And our relationship is more important Than some fucking album cover anyhow So don't worry about it Just do what you think is right and he did and then like he got a little further down the road and then he, you know, we got on um Skype and he showed me and I'm like, oh, it's incredible, you know. And then I would have some ideas and then he'd try to incorporate the ideas and it would slow him down. He goes, I'm having a hard time incorporating. I go, just don't listen to me anymore. Just do your fucking thing. I don't want to slow you down. He's like, when does it need to be done by? I'm like, when you're done. I don't want to put any pressure on you because I, I want it to be great and I don't want you to feel pressured. So, we're lucky we got this release date <laughs> and I really <laughs> really really wanted this release date cuz my 50th birthday was August 22nd and the record came out the next day. And like for me it was like what? the greatest birthday present. Yeah. Oh, for man. Me, well, happy birthday. birthday well, thanks, man. It was the greatest birthday present I ever could have got. And we went out there. We went to Los Angeles the day before and we went and had dinner at Crossroads. Uh, kitchen uh tall's restaurant it was awesome, incredible. And then um yeah, and then we had the party the next day for the album release and and yeah, now I'm talking to you. The third highlight.
0: Oh man. Well the highlight for me was the album coming out and everybody gets to hear it. And it's it's great to see online that across the board it's been really, really positive And the record does sound like you guys kind of picked up exactly where you left off, even though there's been X amount of years in between. That's the most impressive, I think.
1: You know, it's been interesting. It's been one of the interesting comments reading that people like, oh, it's like they didn't miss a day. Like for me, it feels like it's been an incredibly long time. (laughs) And And I never really thought about it that way. I just... I just thought it was its own thing and kind of, you know, kind of stood alone, you know, doing its own thing. Cause I think the songs are kind of varied to a certain extent. Oh, and yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I think it incorporates a lot of good stuff that we do. I mean, it sounds like us, but it sounds like us now. So I don't know. I mean, people are entitled to whatever opinion they want. And I guess it's a compliment, you know. No, um, it is.
0: It is a compliment because it doesn't mean you guys are like, stagnant or regressing or anything. It, it 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 is in vogue to to have that signature kind of era sound and this album has that. But with all of today's technology that helps it, you know, everything sounds thicker and bigger and heavier today. So it's great. I think it's gonna More be cool. on a lot of top tens this year.
1: Well we'll see. You know, the most important thing is that if hopefully the people like it, you know, and and I guess, I don't know. I guess the most important thing is that we really, really like it because we're going to have to go play it every night. And we talked about, you know, like, making the record was such an incredible experience for us. And it was, there's a lot of things that happened that probably could have derailed everything. Right. And And it just didn't. And everything was so positive and so fun and, I just felt like it happened so easily and you know i mean dave just came in and crushed his drum parts in like two days two two days two and a half days i think it took longer to set up and mic his kit you know than than him to actually play the tracks and you know and you know you know joey had played guitar on the demos and he already knew the songs i knew he was a great guitar player you know he's 22 man he just comes in the studio and just He's like, yeah, he just we gave him a guitar like off the rack. He just grabs and just crushes everything. Dave's like, I went in to uh, record just like videotape him doing, you know, part of the song. He goes, and I walk in. He just he's playing manifest reality and he just plays it, crushes it the whole way through. That was the take. He goes, I thought I'd just get a part of it. He goes, nope, that was the whole take.
0: So, uh, So he's actually on the demos of Awakening yeah, you've. I sent you the demo, right? You sent me the. You sent me the album.
1: Oh, I didn't send you the demos. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, you know, I had a bunch of songs on my phone, just like riffs, and uh, Dave was in Machine Head, and uh, I have a friend named Tim, and he goes, you know, I. I play drums, and I have a little studio. If you want to help working on the demos, you know, just fleshing out the songs, and I was like, that would be killer. He's like, yeah, my son plays guitar. So, Joey, like we go down and just, I'd take some riffs off the phone and be like, you know, play this this many times and blah, blah, blah. And Tim would play the drums. I'd play like a crappy scratch guitar because I'm not very good at it. And Joey would engineer everything and Joey would watch me play and I'd be like, here, you know, play it the right way. And he's like, like this? I'm like, yeah. He'd just pick it up right away. He'd he'd lay down like five guitar tracks. (laughs) I'm like, let's do one with this amp and do one with that amp and do one with this amp and this amp, and then we'll do one straight up the middle. You know, just kind of figuring out, like, a little pre-production stuff, how the different guitars would lay on top of each other. And he'd be like, yeah, and he would just crush it, and then I'd go play bass and sing. So was he in another
0: band before Sacred Reich?
1: He used to play drums in this band called Warhead. He's a killer drummer. (laughs) And, uh, like, I was helping him with his demos. He was, he'd make demos and record everything. Right, and he'd, like, program okay. the drums. He's like, would you sing on this? I'm like, of course. i do whatever you want, man. And uh, so he'd play guitar on the demos just because he, we were just doing them real fast, you know, just to kind of hear what the song sounded like. Right. You know, Wiley's got three restaurants. And it was just something that went really fast you know, and, um, just to kind of flesh stuff out. And it was just funny because we recorded some of the demos in D and when I went to go sing them, it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And, and I called Joey, I'm like, Hey, can you go back and re-record the guitar parts and E flat? He's like, yeah, no problem. I go, can you record the bass stuff too? Cause I don't <laughs> want to go back. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So really on the demo is, is, is <laughs> Tim, Tim and Joey. And I'm just singing. Wow. You know, and there's no leads And then, you know And then, you know, when Dave came down And we all got in the studio We all got in the jam pad and just started working On the songs together, you know We kind of had outlines of everything And So, you know, Dave would come in And, you know, Tim Tim kind of held back, you know We didn't want to put too much stuff in Dave's head You know, sometimes you get used to hearing Things a certain way and then but Dave just really crushed it, and Wiley's dude like his leads are just ridiculous, and yeah, everything turned out great,
0: so so Joey's band warhead never went on tour, right, so th- these two tours- well, they
1: went on tour oh, no, they he, he, he he did like three tours in the United States in a van with no floorboard, you know, no yeah. money sleeping in the back, so he has had a little taste of okay, what it's like, you know, um, and I think he, this is way better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I think. But but also, like,
1: for the first time, and
0: his parents are kind of hip to the whole scene as well. That helps.
1: Oh yeah, they're both huge Sacred Reich fans. They're from Minnesota. Tim came down to Phoenix initially to jam with uh, Halford. Oh. Yeah, he came down to jam with Halford, and by the time he got down there, like Halford was doing something else by then oh wow okay so he like they played one show together and you know he would tell me stories about Jamma or rob and stuff but uh yeah like so tim's played up in bands up in minnesota and he knows more about metal than i ever will and they're just really into it And tim's a big collector and his wife kirsten like i went over to their house and i walked in and there's like a big american way poster signed like on the wall i was like no way he's like yeah do we we love sacred right and she brought out like this 1964 jazz bass and she's like it was her dad's she's like this is what i learned to play surf nicaragua on check it out and i was like oh my god look at this bass i'm like can i use that in the studio she goes you can take it on tour i'm like no way i'm not taking that thing on tour but i would love to play it in the studio and they're just like you know we were jamming and tim came and played with us in mexico we had a show and uh, Tim came and jammed with us, and it was super fun. He, they're just part of the family, you know. And then when it came time for Joey, and, and I was like, you know, we'll we'll do the record, and you don't want to hang out with a bunch of 50-year-old guys. We'll help you with your songs, and we'll get your record deal. We'll help you do your thing. And then like after two days of him just destroying things, we're like, dude, like it's so obvious Joey's our guitar player because he was so cool, so unaffected, fit right in. You know, right. for a 20-year-old kid, he's got a great head on his shoulders. Wow. It, yeah, it's just crazy, dude. You know, and uh, it, it all just worked out. I mean, and think about the timing with Dave. You know, when we split with Greg, um, you know, I texted Dave. I said, give me a call. He called me a couple hours later, and I said, Greg's not in the band anymore. And he said, I want to do it, and I want to do the record. I want to do the tour. And I was like, I just had the biggest smile. And, uh, and he said, I always hoped there'd be a time where I could be in Sacred Reich again. And I thought, wow, man. I mean, that like made me cry that he would even think like that. Well, it just was a big deal. We didn't think he was going to join our band. We just figured he would do the record, do the tour, and then, you know, we would just go from there and see what happened.
0: Well, it seems like you guys are going to hook up with Phil Demo again, right? You guys are going on tour with violence.
1: Yeah. We're going to do some shows, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, I think too. So that'll be pretty killer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool. You know, we've known those guys, you know, we played with violence a long, 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 long time ago, you know, 1987. And I've known Phil a long time. We, we kind of hit it off as friends at a foundations forum and, had a really long, drunken weekend crashing every party together, and he's <laughs> awesome.
0: He is a great guy. I've met him a few times, and he's a very genuinely nice guy, like super dude.
1: Yeah, him and Dave. It worked out great for us. I mean, it really I, it really couldn't have worked out better because drummer's a big deal, you know? Mm. I mean, it's a big deal. It's the engineer band. It's you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we literally didn't have a drummer for three hours. Wow. That was it. Between the time I spoke with Greg and the time I talked to Dave. And I called Wiley after I hung up with Dave. And I go, we got a drummer. He's like, what? I'm like, yep, Dave. He goes, shut up. I go, yep. (laughs) I, I understand this now we've yeah.
0: got a great drummer rich has been in the band for six years and everybody's getting along perfectly
1: yeah i mean and you guys are so easy and he seems so nice and yeah.
0: Yeah, genuine upbeat
1: and upbeat yeah
0: genuinely upbeat it's it's a it's a real thing
1: i mean yeah, and that's how joey is joey every time i'm like what do you think joey like if we have a question he goes i love you guys <laughs> that's it that's his answer <laughs> i love you guys he couldn't be having the best. He's living his best life right now. Oh, yeah, I can imagine, man. Holy it's all he ever wanted to do. He's like, yeah. go, What do you do, Joe?" He's like, "Eat, sleep, play guitar. Eat, sleep, play guitar." That 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 reminds me.
0: So you mentioned that Wiley has three restaurants. Yeah. How is this gonna? How is this working? Like, I know that the tour schedule for you guys is gonna be pretty grueling, more grueling yeah. than it has been in the last how many years?
1: Yeah. T- yeah, a long time.
0: So in that time period, he's, he's, you know, he has these restaurants. He's a restaurateur. How's that working for him?
1: Well, and he's got two partners.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Right.
1: He's right. got two partners and they just got to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Wiley was a guitar player long before he started flipping burgers. Yeah. Yeah. And and if he has to choose, I know which he's choosing. Right. You know, when the band stopped, he had to figure out what to do. And he worked in another restaurant and helped build that and then went out on his own. You know, and he's been successful and it's wonderful.
0: and I still but, have to eat at one of his places in Phoenix yeah
1: well next time you come you'll have to go but yeah. he knows who he is he's a guitar player so you know they'll figure it out.
0: Well, that's good to hear I mean I'm very impressed by the schedule that you guys have been able to uh, gather in, in with the with the awakening release with the Guar tour. And this violence, Australia, Japan tour. And there's a couple other ones I'm missing, right?
1: In between. You know yeah, all that? It, we so it happened by accident. Like we had this European tour booked, right? And it'll be five weeks in Europe headlining and we're going to take Night Demon out with us. And then we got an offer for the Guar tour. Yeah. And it's, it's two months. We're like, yes, we like long tours. You know, we get to play for everybody going all kinds of places. The Guar tour ends on November 6th. We f- we go to the airport on November 7th <laughs> and fly to Copenhagen. We arrive on the 8th, and the first show's on the 9th. And- for five weeks. So it's three months in a row. And like, I would never have done that on purpose. Yeah. I even was like, should we bail on that tour a few days early and go home? And I'm like, uh, no. Just suck it up. This is what you want to do. Just go do it. You know, what are you going to be? Who are you going to be? <laughs> you are going to be about it? Are you going to make excuses? Uh, we're going to be about it. So we're just going to go. I would never have done that on purpose. But it just that's exactly how it worked out. And We were happy to get the Guar tour and have an opportunity like that. And then Europe was already booked. And, you know, uh, we, we were already talking to the guy in Australia and there was this other dude in Australia and he's like, you guys should come with violence. So I talked to the Australian promoter and he's like, dude, that'd be awesome. And here we are. And then we're going to go to South America with DRI. When's that? It's, uh, let's see. January 4th, March, April. So we're oh, doing gosh. February. Mar- March. <laughs> I think it's March. No, it's March. So we're doing Australia, New Zealand, like end of February into March and then about second week of March in South America. And now we're just we're talking about April, May in the U.S. for 2020. That's what we're looking at now. And we got a couple things working. So we'll see. Yeah, that's almost. Yeah, that's
0: it's nonstop are we going to cross paths while you were in Europe when, when we're out with
1: Volbeat? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You won't be in the same neighborhoods as us. Cause you'll be playing the fucking Enormo dome. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, <laughs>
0: but I mean, if we're in the same city, then.
1: Oh yeah. I, I got to look, I got to look, yeah, we gotta. But, uh... I hope not because uh, that, would, that would really curtail the, the people that might come to our show. I hope you guys are far, far away. But we're also doing our own
0: shows on some of those uh, around that time period in, on the off days in Germany. Okay. So, All so right. We, well, I'm going to have
1: to look because yeah. anytime I can get some Danko time, it's a good time.
0: Well, I want to hit some a Sacred Reich show because I missed the last one in Toronto.
1: Yeah, we're a lot better than the last time you saw us.
0: Oh, because there's the new new recruits.
1: Yeah, we got the new guys in the band and we're playing new songs and shit's killer. Yeah, that last time,
0: I think I did okay when you asked me to come on stage and do War (laughs) Pigs as the song was happening.
1: Yeah, I'm like, come on, come on. You're like, what? I'm like, come on, come on, do the woes. Come on. I can do that,
0: but I mean, if you want me to do the verse, I'm going to screw it up. And I'm already like, A little gun shy because that's happened to me before and I thought I knew the song backwards and forwards and then I get up on stage and you just freeze so right that's That's happened
1: happened to me at karaoke like I thought I knew the song but there was only like 10 people there so it didn't matter
0: no it was a full show it was a Jello Biafra show
1: oh jeepers
0: yeah and he told me I saw him in the afternoon of the the day of the show and he said do you want to come on stage and do Too Drunk to Fuck and I go oh yeah, I could do that. I mean, geez, I know that backwards and forwards. Apparently
1: not, because when I got on stage, <laughs> I totally froze. That's the wrong time to figure it out. Dude, we were in Mexico, and uh, Phil of the Legals, were playing there. And he's like, hey, do you want to sing Walk? Right. And I was like, yeah, but like, I go, dude, I don't know the words he's like he wrote him down for me i'm on stage like with a piece of paper it's <laughs> like the lamest thing well i mean i just i don't know him like yeah. enough i know that i don't know him enough to go on stage yeah. and then you know like when you sing with people you're quite a, a charismatic person and like i'm a bass player and i get up there and i realize i don't know what to do with these hands and i don't <laughs> like it I don't like it when we were touring with Pantera and I would go sing rise with them every night. And it was my favorite song on the record and I was doing it every night. So I kind of got used to, you know what we do when we sing. I, I got used to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: just going up cold and singing with someone and what do I do with these hands? And I don't like it. People ask me to sing. I'm like, no, dude, I don't, I, it's just really uncomfortable for me. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a singer guy. I can sing, but I don't want to, be on stage with a microphone makes me not happy.
0: Really? Like maybe all you need is like a guitar around you while you walk on stage, have it say it's wireless and then just sing the song.
1: Yeah. Or, or just not do it at all. I mean, that's probably <laughs> better. Or or if I had a mic stand, if I had a mic stand, I just stood there holding on to the mic stand. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe I should just have a mic stand like and Stephen just stand Tyler. there. Well, I was thinking like Lane used to just stand there and hang on to a mic stand. Because Steven Tyler runs around and twirls a thing and he has a bunch of scarves. Like I don't think I'm gonna do that.
0: The scarves are good though. Like it it it's kinda like a guitar, you know, it's something to look at, right? So the scarves He's
1: really good. He's re- Steven Tyler is an incredible front man. Incredible. Oh yeah. Oh no, I agree. I yeah, do. I can't. I don't, yeah, please don't don't put that kind of pressure on me. Now you're really pretty good. Like Steven Tyler, no, 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 not nothing like Stephen Tyler, not at all. I should mention
0: when I did the too drunk to fuck song, uh-huh. Jello started to act out the song when I was supposed to be singing, and that threw me off. He never told me he was going to do that.
1: Did he Which, like he got behind you and started dry humping you?
0: No, he got he, he he uh he lay down on the stage and so half the crowd can't even see this. He lay on his back and spread eagle in front of me. And nobody could see him doing this except people at the very front, and I just went into shock that I couldn't believe I was standing on stage singing a song that I, you know, been listening to since I was in high school, and the guy singing it is Spread Eagle in front of me. Acting out the the song,
1: yeah. never a dull moment would jelly
0: be off no, no, never a dull moment.
1: he should he should have a podcast called Never a dull moment would jelly be off
0: <laughs> but uh no it was it was uh it was still hey, a it, magic moment for me to go on stage with you guys and sing war pigs or at least sing the uh the outro, yes,
1: yeah, it's fun dude I mean you should come. I mean, dude, you got on stage in front of a stadium full of people in Denmark. I'm sure you could get up in front of the 200 people at our gig <laughs> and sing a song. But that's scarier, though, to sing what? like
0: a, a classic song in front of like a in a club, where you know I know the lyrics, but I still need to like go over it a couple of times. You know,
1: I understand. Instead of you're just saying you feel comfortable because you you know the song. Back in front And it's not the fact Of how many people Are there It's yeah. just how comfortable You are with the song itself Yeah absolutely I get that You know I I I, um, I wanted to sing um, b- uh, Bad Religion Sorrow At karaoke And I was like Fuck yeah And I got up there And I was like Well I don't I, And the song is fast You know And I was like I thought I really knew this And it just was Fucking horrible <laughs> And I, I I walked away Like in shame But uh, I'll have to come do it another time. So, oh, dude, when we played in Chicago, after we were done playing, like there's a club connected to the club and they were doing live karaoke in there. And I was like, oh, man. And they did they do Ain't Too Proud to Beg by The Temptations. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go do Ain't Too Proud to Beg. And. And they had a live band playing, and we played it, and it was really cool. And the drummer's like, "Hey, man, that was awesome." He goes, "I saw you guys with Pantera at the Aragon Ballroom in, nine, in like '93." I was like, "Oh, killer, man!" <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I, then I. Signed up for Respect by Aretha Franklin, and that was not so good. Like it's a little too high for me.
0: But there's but, the uh, lyrics, though, right? For karaoke nights, they have the lyrics.
1: Lyrics were not the problem. It was the fact that I'd never ever sang that song like with a band. I'm like, what key is this even in? When right, what? Yeah. And even when they say a key, I'm like, what does that mean? What does it sound like? Huh? <laughs> like where are you playing And you know, and it's the first time you've ever singing it with a band in front of a bunch of people. And I was like, yeah, it didn't work out so great. But it was fun. I, you, you ever do karaoke?
0: Oh, many times, man. I love it.
1: Yeah, karaoke's fun. I want a karaoke machine at my house because I just want to sing the songs. I don't care if there's people there or not. There's a bunch of songs I want to sing. And if I had a karaoke machine at my house, I could just carry it. But it just has to be loud because my voice is kind of loud. I need I need a room for karaoke that's like padded that I can crank it up.
0: You kind of don't need a machine anymore. You just need like iTunes. They've got karaoke versions of every song. You just download oh, I guess,
1: them. I guess it's true. Yeah, technology is not my friend, Danko. I don't I don't know. I guess I guess I can ask my kids. And then I just want to sing all you two songs. What? Why? I want, to, I want to say I Love You Too, and his stuff is like right in my range. <laughs> I like the whole Joshua Tree record. I just want to sing the whole Joshua Tree record from beginning to end.
0: I do love that album. That's probably my favorite it's album. It's
1: incredible. And and all, dude, Knocktong Baby, come on.
0: No, no. Really? No.
1: Mysterious ways.
0: No, no. Under Blood Red Sky, War... Uh, Joshua Tree That's about it
1: Okay I love Ak Baby A lot Hmm That's That's one of their Best songs ever One is on there That's one of their Best songs ever
0: Yeah I'm not a big U2 fan Actually And I don't like What they do Off stage either
1: What What does that mean
0: Oh they've done Some shady stuff Man Like what like how they uh sued negative land and almost buried SST records in the 80s because
1: Oh. Remember that? Oh, vaguely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then how they put their new record on everybody's
1: iPhone which I Yeah, I don't I, no, I, I don't like that. That's wild. Okay. Like that shit doesn't bother me. The other one, I I vaguely remember the SST thing. That's bad. Yeah. By but I still love Joshua Tree.
0: It,
1: yeah, was it them or some lawyer people? I don't know.
0: Well, yes, but, I mean, they were representing you too, you know, so.
1: so. Yeah, I don't know.
0: It stemmed uh, from yeah. R.E.M.'s manager, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I, I'd have to look into it. I love them. I mean, you, you can not like them if you want. I, it doesn't change the way I feel about you.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, everybody likes them, so, I mean, what am I? I mean, I'm just – I'm by myself here.
1: I feel like that about a lot of bands that people like that I'm like, I just don't get it. And people are like, really? What about this? I'm like, look, look, I'm definitely the minority and <laughs> they're doing fine without my fandom. Yeah. But there's some bands I just don't like. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: I just don't like them. Don't like there's them. bands I don't like because I don't like the music, but you 2 I just don't like some of the things they've done.
1: Okay. I won't bring them up ever again.
0: No, it's fine. (laughs) Joshua Tree's great. If you want to sing Where the Streets Have No Name in your living room, go ahead.
1: And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's so good.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: It's a great video, too, in in Vegas. I love that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's great. That album is from front to back. And produced by... A guy who lives just outside of Toronto, Daniel Lenoir.
1: Right.
0: And he's cool. Co-produced. I'm getting a little feedback. I can hear myself. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I just switched over. Is that better? I think so. Yeah, it's totally better.
1: Oh, okay. I switched over to just the phone. I'm holding it against my face.
0: I didn't have anything planned other than talking to you and seeing where it goes.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good plan.
0: Yeah, I didn't want it. I was like, oh, man, is this going to turn into some, like, interview because of the new record? And we have to talk about it. But it's easy because it's a great record. It's one of my, it's going to be in my top ten. Well, thank you. Probably top two.
1: <laughs> Us and Death Angel.
0: <laughs> yeah, although there's a album by this band called The Zigzags that is amazing and it sounds like early Metallica
1: Ooh, on purpose good.
0: on purpose. So, um, that is, that is also in the top three right now with Awaken. Is
1: it, is it better to sound like Metallica on purpose or by accident?
0: On purpose. Cause at least I know what you're doing and I can't, you know, it's like, I can't accuse someone of ripping a band off when they're like, yeah, here it is full transparency.
1: Well, you know what's funny about that is I remember when we did Independent and that song Crawling came out and Phil was like, yeah, man, that's a hole in the sky. And I was like, what? And he's like, shut up. i was like, what do you mean? He's like, come on, man. It's a fucking hole in the sky. And I'm like, dude, you're fucking exactly right. He goes, I know I'm right. <laughs> I go, I know, but I never realized until right now. He's like, shut up. I'm like, no, really, dude. Like, I never occurred to me, we totally ripped off hole in the sky. But I was listening to Sabotage a lot when we were doing that record, like writing it. Right. I go, so it makes perfect sense, but it was total subliminal. And I didn't notice it until right now. But like on this record, like on the new one, Manifest Reality, yeah. um, the beginning thing, I'm like, dude, do the Hello Eights beat. boom I mean, that's, you know, we said do the Hello Eights beat. So we uh, know like that, that. Yeah, that was a v- familiar. I just couldn't place it. Yeah, somebody goes, Is that like inner self? I'm like, Dude, knock it off. We're not ripping off Sepultura, we're <laughs> ripping off Slayer. We go, I'm not gonna rip off our contemporaries, I rip off our influences, you know. So, uh, and then there was the part, there's a part in the middle, like the lead part is like, It's like, I go, then we do the Metallica part because that's a total Metallica part, and even to the part where they go, they do chugs like right in the middle yeah, of the yeah. solo, they stop to do a chug. Yeah, we we did that. I go. Yeah. We do this Slayer part, and then we do the Metallica part, and then we do this other Slayer part. I'm like, that song is just our ode to our two biggest influences, Slayer and Metallica.
0: The one thing I wanted to say that I kind of I didn't get to say was, you know, you you know, you've you've probably said like I I've heard it in one interview where you said, you know, people have been asking us to do this record for years. I'm one of those people. <laughs> But uh, the 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 reason why I was able to to ask you or tell you or talk about it with you with confidence was the teenage time killers song you sang the Reed Mullen project, and I heard that track and I was honest to goodness like why is he not making a record? He's got his voice it full maximum one hundred percent like. That was a confirmation well, for me that it's like, well, if they put, if they do an album today, it'll be absolutely fine and perfect.
1: Well, it's one thing to sing on someone else's song, and it's another thing to write a record, you know.
0: Yeah, but hearing your voice again, like fresh and, and with, you know, in today's kind of technology and sound and everything and having you place your voice in that, I was like, wow, that is, no, yeah, they should really make a record. And I never bothered you about it, but then whenever you'd say something or bring it up, it would be like, yeah,
1: why not? (laughs) Well, thank you. You need a bunch of songs. We just didn't have them, you know? And it's funny, like when, like I even, at some point, I bought like a little digital recorder and recorded some stuff. I just, it just wasn't happening, you know? And I was like, ah, it's just not happening. And then somehow, you know, the, Tim always says it's like a radio station into your head. Like the radio station's on and here come the songs. Beep, 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 beep. They just beam in and you hear it, you know, and if you don't hear it, what are you going to do? You can sit down and try to force it, but that's not going to be anything worthwhile.
0: Yeah.
1: I already got a bunch of stuff for the next record, so.
0: That's, that's amazing. That's really great. Hopefully we
1: can do it. Hopefully we can do it. Like I have a little plan, but we'll see.
0: Well that sounds great. I mean, I know we hit Phoenix in February when you guys were in the studio. So yeah. I know that you guys were on your way and it's it's not a surprise that the album's out. It's great. I'm I'm happy.
1: Yeah, I'm happy too, man. We're we're all really happy and really appreciative and really just fortunate to kind of be where we are with with the right people and it's the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's just fun. And everybody's very positive yeah. and we're just enjoying it and, and just taking everything as it comes and just having fun on stage and just enjoying each other's company. And it's just the way it's supposed to be. And everything j- just flows and, you know, you don't have to fight everything all the time. You just don't. It's okay to just go with it and not worry about stuff and you no know, things are going to work out. And, I I talked to Arthur about this a lot when we were making the record, about not worrying. And, you know, Manifest Reality was the last song we wrote for the record. And I didn't have the lyrics for it. And it was the last song I wound up singing because I didn't have the lyrics. We did all the other songs. And he said, the only one we have left is Manifest Reality tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I better write some lyrics, you know. And it was the night before and i wasn't stressed out about it i just knew that i had to write some lyrics so i wrote some lyrics and the next day i came to the studio and i had them and i said i just think i need to rearrange them a little i have all the words i just need to put them in the right order and they're probably my favorite lyrics and the whole process of just doing it and not worrying and and you know my when i was talking to arthur i said what's the point of worrying about anything you worry about things because in your head you have all these scenarios. So, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? What am I going to do if this happens? And the the amount of scenarios you can dream up are endless. You're never going to have an answer for each one of them. And even if you did, eventually when something pops up, it'll probably be something you didn't even think of. And when that happens, you're just going to have to deal with it when it happens. So if you know that whatever comes, you'll just deal with it when it happens, then why worry about any of them? If you have confidence in yourself and you know no matter what happens, we can deal with it when it happens, then you just don't have to worry. There's no point. And you can make plans and sometimes when you sometimes when you don't make plans, things don't work out. And sometimes when you do make plans, things don't work out. So there's no point to all this stuff. Do the best that you can. You're going to make plans, but if they don't work out the way you want, you're just going to change it up. You just go with what comes, take things as they are, smile and be appreciative. And your whole life becomes so much better and so much more simple. And it's not that hard. And we can all do it. It's just our choice. And you're sitting there going, no, dude, but. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I, I know, no, but. But but what? No, 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 I, you're right, you're right. I mean, I'm just a lifelong worry wart do you like the way it feels i hate it okay and and you know you're not going to change it overnight you've created all these habits over many years you're not going to uncreate these habits over many years but at when the moment comes and you feel yourself bunching up and you feel that anxiety coming and that tension then if you go whoa okay oh i can feel it i feel it coming and then you stop and you take a moment you take a deep breath you go, what am I worried about? Oh, okay, I'm worried about this. Well, I think it's going to be okay. Like sometimes it's hard to tell yourself it's going to be okay. Sometimes my wife will say to me, it's going to be okay. I know, I know it's fucking going to be okay. But it's not going to be okay just because you tell me it's going to be okay. You can't just keep saying everything's going to be okay and make it so. But guess what? It's, she's right. Even when I'm caught up and I'm worried, she's right. It's going to be okay. Mm. All of it. Has it ever not been okay? I mean, sometimes things aren't okay. It's well, let's just de- let's define okay. <laughs> okay means I have an idea of how the world should be and when the world doesn't match my expectation of it, I'm upset. Well, who the fuck are we to tell the world how it should be? It's uh, not the world's problem, it's ours. Uh, no, but it's just, you know,
0: making sure everything's, you know, cool. Like yeah. Just, you know, especially, especially like, you know, you know the feeling. It's like you're on, you're, each leg is on, on a different log and you're trying to stay afloat and the logs are separating. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes that is, I just want the logs together.
1: <laughs> That's, and sometimes the logs are going to separate and you fall in the water and there's nothing yeah, you can do yeah, about yeah,
0: it. Yeah, yeah,
1: You know, but hopefully you get the big stuff covered. In, in the grand scheme of things, we're just a blink right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're just trying to do the best that we can during that blink and what's the most important thing you know it's just being with the people that we love and being kind to everybody that we meet and making a po- being positive to everybody around us and helping and doing our best and doing the most that we can for other people and you know it's not what we have it's not the things we acquire it's not Fame or fortune, any of that bullshit. I mean, it's fucking—it's all bullshit. You know, so much stuff about being in a band is just bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. No, I know. You know, but you get to create some music and hopefully something positive. You know that somebody can connect with you and you create connections and people feel like they're not alone and there's somebody out there who feels like they do or expressing something that they've always felt. Yeah. You know, when you go out and you meet people and you. Provide them with, you know, just a little joy or happiness. You know, whatever it is, a small little thing. Yeah. You know, but but ultimately, you know, it's all going to be over in a jiffy, man. It's all over in the blink of an eye. just goes by so fast. And we just don't want to waste our time worrying or, you know, living in negative emotions or, you know, just forgetting what's really important. So that's all.